Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What up, Fightful fam, and welcome to One Two Punch. James, we're happy to have you here. This is One Two Punch. We talk about the biggest winners, losers of the week before drawing up a preview for UFC Fight Island 4. I'm player one, Shaquille Madjuri. Player two, 8-bit James Lynch. Great being back here. Fightful was a home of mine for a couple years. It's, uh, it's great to be here, Shaq. Thanks for having me, man. Yes, and I really appreciate it. Uh, like I was telling you before we started, uh, the Fightful family has a lot of camaraderie, and there was a lot of excitement about having you back. So I'm thrilled that you could join us so early into this. Uh, I always forget to say this off the top, actually. We always have a drink of a week. Uh, some people have better taste than Sean Ross Sapp. James Lynch is one of those people. Thank you for picking some cold brew. Uh, what is the process of making cold brew coffee at home? Because I only buy my stuff. Yeah, so uh, so I have a cold press, and then I put it. It's it's like you know when you use a French press to like heat up hot a coffee. You know, you pour the um, the hot water in there with the coffee, you press it, and then you're good to go. With the cold brew, you do the same process with cold water, but you put it in the fridge like for like 24 hours, and then you bring it out, and then you got it for like what I like doing is I put it in like a mug, and then I have it for a couple of days uh, to to last a little bit longer. So cold brew, it's where it's at. I love it. I love cold uh, cold brew coffee. Cold brew is where it's at, and so is the fight game. Uh, let's just jump into it i will hit this intro damn we already gave a quick breakdown wins losses um for those of you just tuning in please engage with us in the live chat if you care to leave us a super chat donation that's great either way we'll do our best to get to all of the comments so we really appreciate you guys being here for interacting with us a quick hit of that subscribe button and a tap of the notification bell goes such a long way to helping us do what we do here and without further ado let's get to the single biggest winner of the week on your card and on my card israel adesanya damn um let's just hit it quickly for you what was the biggest takeaway of adesanya's performance against paulo costa at ufc 253 
Just with how dominant it was, you know, the, the big narrative going in there was that, you know, Paulo Costa is going to knock him out. Adesanya is a boring fighter. I mean, he silenced all those critics with that performance and he did so with a lot of trash talk leading into it. I mean, Costa, you know, people talk about Adesanya's antics. Costa made a lot of remarks leading into that fight. So for Adesanya to go out there, put the type of performance he did, move forward on a guy like Costa, who we know has really, uh, you know, devastating knockout power, all the props to him. And I just thought, you know, like I said, say what you want after the fact about his antics and all that. Uh, he gathers that he got everyone's attention this week. And I think he showed that he is one of the best fighters, not only in the middleweight division, but in MMA in general, uh, still undefeated, looked awesome. Can't say enough good things about Adesanya. Oh, shout out to Scott Frame, who just tuned into the chat, says, first time listener here, two of the best in MMA journalism. Uh, I think that's definitely true of James Lynch. I don't quite want to give myself (laughs) that sort of credit yet, but I appreciate that very much, Scott. Thank you for tuning in. Thank uh, you. I'm we, not the best either. I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm just a regular guy like everyone else. But I do appreciate that, Scott. hundred percent. Well, I got, got to stay modest, even if you don't believe it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, seven hundred thousand pay per view buys between ESPN Plus and worldwide. Is that that's the early estimate that I got? Is that correct? Yeah, something like that. It's, um, it's it, the num- the numbers are pretty good for the most part. So, and on that note, you know, Izzy's one of those guys who seems to have, we know that he has crossover potential, but he's already cashing in on that crossover stardom, signed the deal with Puma. I had a lot of friends who don't typically watch MMA saying, hey, we should get together and see this Israel Adesanya fight. When do you think that his sort of transition from MMA star to global star kind of got started? I think it was after the Gaslam win and then after the Whitaker win as well, like that entire period, because I think that fight against Adesanya uh, against Gaslam, you know, showed that he's got heart, you know, he can go uh, five rounds, he can get uh, Calvin Gaslam's best shot and still get back up and win the fight. So there was that. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of the hardcore fans were like, you got to watch this fight. I mean, it was amazing. Right. And then he fights Whitaker and he knocks him out. I mean, Whitaker's never been knocked out of middleweight. So that was a huge win. He won the title there. So I think in between that period, that's when Adesanya sort of crossed the line, because you remember the narrative leading into that Gaslam fight or even the Whitaker fight too people are saying this guy has not fought anyone good I mean that was the it's such a dumb narrative to look back on now because you look at the resume of who he's beat you know Marvin Vittori Derek Brunson Anderson Silva all these people were saying oh yeah he he looks good but look who he's fighting well he beat he knocked out Robert Whitaker like I think at this point we can shut that argument up um, and and we can you know like I said I think that was the moment where he really you know sort of went from just a good fighter to sort of that superstar status and you know uh, peel back the curtain the last bit of stuff we're going to rehash before we get on to stuff that we haven't yet talked about um you know one-on-one before this video started there's a small but vocal portion of the audience that doesn't really seem to get izzy they think he comes off as brash arrogant we can look at the more egregious stuff that he did at 253 like the humping and threatening to uh, ejaculate all over costa's coach's face um but just in general i think more than anything this portion of the audience might be a little bit on the older side, a little bit out of touch. Like, you have to understand that a lot of what Israel Adesanya does and stands for is for his generation. It's for my generation. The M- the anime fandom, Naruto, uh, The Last Airbender, black culture, hip-hop, a lot of the the way he speaks and the things he does might be alienating some of the older fans, but I think it's going to bring in a whole lot of new fans. 
I agree. I think it's a mixed bag, though. I think you probably do have some of the old school, you know, people are like, oh, you can't act like George St. Pierre never act like acted like that when he was a champion. There's those people, right? Yeah. Then there's just the idiots in general that no matter what, if you promote yourself, that means you're, you know, you're overhyped and I want to see you lose or whatever. Like it's, you know, you're always going to have those fans that don't like self-promotion, which is stupid because how do you think these fighters make money or how do you think they, you know, break that mold of just being, you know, known to the hardcore fans? It's by self-promotion. That's how, you know, Conor McGregor and George St. Pierre and all these other fighters found a way to do that and break through that. So Adesanya is just trying to pave his way as well. And the fans who do that are the same fans who complain that Demetrius Johnson never promoted himself as champion. So you can't exactly. win with MMA fans. We've sort of discovered this. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah that, that's a discussion for another time. Um, okay, I want your one single highlight from Izzy throughout the week. For me, uh, it's a statement he made in the octagon after the win. If you recall, Costa brought that white belt to their face off passed it over to Izzy as he whipped it back. And after the fight, he said something along, Izzy uh, Adesanya said something along the lines of, I'm going to take my genitals, my manhood, and wrap it around my belt and call that a black belt. That, without a doubt, was, I think, the most amusing moment of anything Israel Adesanya related over the last seven days. What was it for you? Yeah, it actually was going to be that one as well. I mean, I mean, it's hard to top that. I mean, how creative do you have to be to, to say something like that? So I, awesome, I think in general, man. he's, um, yeah. And, and, you know, I think, like I said, there's going to be people that don't like that. But look, we're talking about it. It works. What he's doing is getting people's attention. And I don't think what he's saying is like outlandish or out of line. I mean, we've seen far worse things said, uh, you know, from fighters. So, you know, I, I say go as he go, you know, like keep, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I enjoy it. I think he's a good fighter, good interview. I mean, I, I don't have any issue with what Adesanya is doing. Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff the you know riding paula costa all, all that stuff i saw someone say that they should you know the, is that sexual assault like come on like that was over the line but that's compared to some other stuff that we've seen fighters do i mean that's pretty tame other stuff that we've seen fighters do recently it's not it's not like we even have to go that all that far back in history um let's talk a little bit about the other winners you had one that stood out that i'd love to give some shine to so i'm gonna let you take it away on this one yeah brandon moreno you know this is a division flyweight that has been sort of forgotten about um you know with dillashaw you know obviously testing positive and losing and then cejudo winning the title and now cejudo's you know vacating the title and is now brandon moreno sorry to cut you off yeah, sorry, sorry, Brandon Royville. I was thinking Brandon Moreno because uh, a lot of people were talking about him not getting the uh, the title shot. I meant Brandon Royville. His big win over uh, Kaya Kara France uh, last weekend at UFC 253. My apologies there to Brandon, but uh, Royville that is. Um, but yeah, no, he, to me, he was a huge winner because, you know, this was sort of unexpected in a way. You know, uh, France was the favorite heading into the fight. Uh, I'm su- assuming a lot to do with, you know, his body work in the UFC and also with the fact that he's a city kickboxing guy. A lot of people felt like, how can he lose? He's on the same card as Israel Adesanya. Well, Royville, once again, like, strikes twice uh ends up getting the uh the another upset win uh finishing uh france i think it was the first stoppage loss for kayakara france since 2014 so really impressive win there for royville and in my opinion someone that uh you know really made this division uh, exciting in terms of you know here we have some guy who's making a lot of noise he's got two upset wins mm-hmm. you know where does he go from here so to me uh royville is a guy that uh you know we really got to keep an eye on and if i'm the ufc i'll just say this is my last point you know ride this momentum get this guy in a big fight um Agreed. you know we just had uh we just had Brandon Brandon Moreno out of his fight with Alex Perez. Of course, Perez looks like he's getting the title shot now with Davidson Figueroa with Cody Garbrandt out. Let's do Moreno and Royville. I think that would be such a fun fight to do. And uh, let's see how far this kid can go. I'm really excited. I, I remember seeing that. And listen, that was an awesome fight. That was the fight of the night. I remember thinking to myself at the conclusion of that one, do you remember it wasn't all that long ago that we were talking about flyweights being done in the UFC 
mm-hmm. guys were being released. The entire future of the division seemed up in the air. And now you have a position where two guys from that division put on an absolute barn burner on one of the biggest cards of the year. Is it? I think it it's a very poetic way to sort of put the final touches on the story of flyweights being out. And I'm glad they're here to stay. And and putting and, and reminding people that this isn't an entertaining division. I mean, how mm-hmm. for years we've been talking about how the flyweights have been buried on the prelims. And kudos to the UFC for putting this uh, you know fight on the main card. I mean, I don't know if this would have been on the main card if it wasn't uh, France, who's a teammate of Adesanya. If he had trained at some other gym, does he get that opportunity? Probably not. So uh, you know, I think it was kind of a perfect storm where you have this sort of you know Brandon Royville, uh, you know flyway who a lot of people you know the the you know most hardcore fans knew Brandon Royville, but mm-hmm. you know to the to the you know sort of the main ufc audience they didn't so now we have a name that's making some noise um you know and, and i think you got to take advantage of that and sort of move on so i think i think it just reminds people how good this division is and that you know they can have fights like this that can be exciting so uh you know i, I think it's, it's it was a much needed injection into that division stocks went up for izzy stocks went up for brandon royville and now unfortunately we got to go down let's stick on ufc 253 for a moment uh you said your big loser of the week was Paulo Costa, not specifically Paulo Costa, but Paulo Costa wanting a rematch. Uh, what do you think about, like, what is sort of fueling him to go on this sort of tangent when it's clear to everyone that he is nowhere near a title shot right now? I think it's uh, it's it's the equivalent of like you know if you're playing football you're throwing a hail mary or you're you know last minute in the game you're shooting that jump shot right like it's to him I think he thinks there's a small chance that it could happen because they talk so much trash but 99 percent of the people and that one percent being you know Paulo uh, himself and maybe some of his fans but uh, I mean no one feels like there should be a rematch there you only do rematches if it's a close fight if it was a quick loss like maybe like a fluky shot or something I don't know um, but but there's no reason to have a rematch and I just think not only you know him asking for the rematch but also just you know the way he's kind of not giving Izzy credit for the win and then you know we're seeing now all the comments that that have come up on social media about him uh you know making some homophobic comments and all that too so I just think his stock could not be worse at this point and like this idea that like you know he lost a close fight like what fight were you watching like go back and watch the tape you weren't in this one buddy like it's it's unfortunate but there, there's no reason for him to even think about a rematch here he should say the, the proper thing to say is look I lost fair and square credit to Izzy. I'll be back. Give me a top rank opponent. and I'll get back in the driver's seat. That's what he should say. And that would get him more fans. All right. Shout out to Rob Wilkins uh, for joining the chat. Also, Joseph, regular viewer, always engages, which is awesome to hear. Uh, let's let's get to what Joseph is saying. He says, I can partly see why Costa wants a rematch. There was an elephant in the room. Accusations that Adesanya had Gaino on his chest. I'll tackle it first. Um, Maybe that's something he Costa is sort of latching onto in this desperate attempt to try and get back in the title picture. But for me, I don't think there's I mean, juice the guy up to the gills. Like Costa didn't offer anything. It's not like is he greased up or, or, or did something blatantly obvious or even, you know, subtle to cheat. Like Costa didn't present anything to make him to deem him worthy of a rematch anytime soon. What do you make of the allegations against Adesanya and should that at all play a case or should that all, you know, serve as evidence to perhaps give Costa another shot? 
Well, if, if he tests positive and they find out that he did do something, then he wouldn't even get a rematch against Adesanya. They would just make the title vacant and mm-hmm. he'd fight someone else. That's what they did with TJ Dillashaw. I with still Ronald don't think Costa would get a title shot next, even under those Well, no, no. That, that's, well, no, I, yeah, I don't yeah. think he deserves it either. But if we're going on the argument of yeah, what yeah. The, the viewer said, that if that, that would be the only case where you could maybe say that, that, hey, he fought a guy who's on PEDs, right? But, I mean, there's no way. I, there, there's a, And here's the thing. There's a lot of options right now. He could fight the loser of Whitaker and Cannonier. He could fight the loser of Hermanson until there's a lot of options for Paulo Costa right now. Don't want to see the old Romero rematch. Uh, that's a whole other story. But uh, you know, there, there's a lot of options here for Costa. It's not like he's in need of an opponent here. So uh, yeah, I just think it's uh, and, and this whole gyno thing. Fans are so like everyone's a doctor all of a sudden, right? Like let's let's see what comes out of this. He had to get an MRI. Adesanya himself said he didn't know what it was. He talked about it on Ariel's show. But why would you juice in a fight like this anyways when you have all the eye and when you're fighting a guy who's been accused of the exact same thing that pe- that fans are accusing him of? It's just crazy to me for sure. And uh, Scott Frame chimed in why won't Costa just say that he lost fair and square Costa did not do well at all he looked like a different fighter I I put out a tweet during the stare downs which I thought uh well which turned out to be absolutely false but kind of just the way they were kind of looking at each other their body language I had this impulse that you know what there's all this trash talk and bad blood leading into it but they're going to come out of this fight having a whole lot of respect for one another and I was completely wrong I could be about as you know I haven't performed that poorly since high school. And the thing is, on one, Costa did not offer anything, so I don't think there's much for Izzy to respect. And on the other hand, let's just say, dude, Paulo Costa's sour that he got humped. He's sour that he got beat up in the cage, and then he got humped. I think if it was just... And, you know, his coach was disrespected, his entire camp was disrespected. I think if Izzy hadn't pulled all those antics after the fact, I, I don't think we'd see Costa being quite as loud. I just think he's trying to, maybe even more so than protect his own image, trying to stand up for the people in his camp that he cares about. Uh, but yeah, the reality is Costa lost decisively. I'm sure he knows that. And I would venture to guess, you know, just playing armchair psychologist, that he just doesn't want to uh, feed Izzy's ego at a point where he feels Izzy is being tremendously disrespectful i I would agree with that actually i think that that's probably why is that this was so personal you know it's no different than than covington saying he wanted a rematch against usman after losing and blame the ref and all that like you know what i mean it's the same sort of thing where it's like you know it's like it it sucks so bad and it's like your way of like trying to get back at it but yeah the reality is i mean he's not going to get the say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Rematch. Um, and uh, yeah, so wishful thinking there. Wishful thinking there. Uh, who? Last thing on cost. Uh, who do you think suffered the worst defeat to Izzy? Him or Whitaker? Um... That's a tough one because actually, like Whitaker, obviously, I mean that was a pretty devastating uh, finish. Is that I'll, I'll probably go. Uh, I'll probably go Costa. Just the way it finished with the way Adesanya handled it after mm-hmm. and all that. I mean Whitaker got knocked out and he had a long layoff heading into that fight too. So I kind of excuse Whitaker for that one. All right, and now let's move on to my uh, loser of the week, which is just Conor McGregor and MMA. Uh, this was a topic in our premiere episode, but the time was actually about Conor and his arrest. Uh, not so much that there was allegations against him so much as 
Sorry, not so much that he did anything because nothing's been proven, more so just the fact that, you know, not a fun reason to be in headlines, and obviously it seemed to be taking an emotional toll on him at the time. Right now, I'm just confused. Like, what is happening? We did get an update. Uh, Dana White told Farah Hanun of uh, MMA Junkie and UFC Arabia that they have offered Dustin Poy a fight against Conor McGregor in January. That has been accepted, um, as well as... They offered the fight to Conor McGregor, and they expect to hear back from him 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific latest is what they're saying. But I'm just not going to hold my breath anymore in Conor fighting. I feel like that's where most fans are at right now. I sense lethargy. There was a time where I think even the most... There's just so there's, there's such a demand to see Conor McGregor from everyone. Like we, we, we may not agree with Conor McGregor's antics sometimes, but we all want to see him fight. I think there's no way of... Ignoring the fact that MMA is better when Connor's around. There's more eyeballs. There's more legitimacy. Uh, it's more exciting. There's just so many good things that Connor brings to the sport. But even his most Argentine supporters, I don't hear very much anymore. It seems like everyone's just kind of over it at this point. Well, part of that is because he doesn't fight. Like, if you told me when he beat Eddie Alvarez for the lightweight title that we'd see him fight, what, two more times? And then take, I mean, also, if you told me he'd fight in Floyd Mayweather, I would have told you the same thing. Like, that's never happening. But it's just funny how a couple of years, I mean, that was five years ago that he beat, uh, it was five years ago this November that Al, uh, that Connor beat Eddie Alvarez for the title. Like, it's crazy to think how little he's fought since then. Let's even include the boxing match. That's three combat sports fights in the last five years. That's nothing, right? So um, I, think, I think that's what it comes down to. It's momentum. Like, when you're away from the sport for that long you do even though connor's been tweeting and all this stuff i think fans are kind of tired to have their the wool pulled over their eyes i mean we really thought this was the year that he was going to fight a lot i know coronavirus came in but still like this guy just does not fight enough and that unfortunately is going to make people not as interested and you're going to start looking at guys like adesanya and you know all the other masvidal i mean masvidal look how much masvidal sort of stole the spotlight from him last year with his run right like you gotta keep fighting to keep fans interested and that's why people have sort of lost interest in connor mcgregor do you believe so um there was a there was a story put out that uh, you know Habib says that I can't remember if it was Habib or Ali Abdelaziz, but story has it that the UFC was close to finalizing Habib versus Connor, the Ultimate Fighter on ESPN, and then you know that eventual rematch. Habib says he's not interested. Uh, Dana White says Connor de- leaking DMs between Connor and Dana is what got Habib out of that. Do you believe that whole story? Because for me, it's like. I can't imagine a scenario where you're going to put Habib and Connor in the same building without the sort of security that you would have. And I'm sure they would up it, but it's just, you've seen the ultimate fighter. It's intimate. We've seen things get out of hand. Chael Son and Vanderlei Silva. It happens all the time. I just can't imagine them putting those guys in the same room. And Habib's always made it very clear that he's not going to give Connor a platform. He's not going to give Connor a chance that he doesn't deserve. Yeah, so what do you make? Was the ultimate fighter ever actually going to happen with those two guys? I just don't see what Habib would have gained from doing that, right? Like, that's sort of the perspective I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. Like, first off, that would be filmed in Vegas. He already doesn't like Vegas that much with the whole suspension thing, right? So, I mean, there, there's that part of it. The other part is, like, why would he want to go stay away from his family when he's, you know, waiting to have this fight? Like, he has to train in Vegas. Like, it just doesn't make sense from that perspective. For the average fan, I mean, that would have been amazing. But, you know, this goes beyond just, like, you know, two fighters who don't like each other. There's a whole, you know, Muslim community that hates Connor for the antics he did with some of the comments he made towards Habib 
Khabib and his religion and everything else. So um, I think, yeah, Dana might have wanted that to happen, but I could never see Habib signing off on that, no matter how much money it would be. Um, you know, and, and also, like you said, he doesn't want to give Connor the you know the platform and the opportunity. I mean, this guy just beat Cowboy Cerrone, and all of a sudden you want to get him a title shot again. He lost decisively to Habib that last fight. Um, you know, I remember watching that, being like, Connor's not doing anything, right? So I think, um, yeah, I think I think that's one of those things where maybe Dana wanted that, but and Connor might have wanted it too, but I just I don't think Habib would have signed off. And then the other thing is, why would they delay them fighting even more by filming an entire season? Like Agreed. we want to see Connor fight. You got to, I mean, I, I just, I think there's a lot of smoke there uh, and not necessarily a lot of uh, fire, so to speak. Yeah. From all sides. Now uh, we got about 10 minutes because unfortunately I started a little late and James, okay. the best in the biz has other matters. He has to get to get more content out for the good folks. Before we get to UFC Fight Island 4, it's going to go down the chat very uh, quickly. One SSS says, Juan Espino is back after two years. Totally forgot about Juan. Uh, that guy actually drives really good traffic considering how little he's fought. And he put forth a masterclass performance. Like I, I hope he can stay healthy and active because even at his age, there's a lot of upside to Juan. And uh, quick shout out to Tim Traver. Hi, everybody. I'm super happy to see James Lynch back on here. Me and you both, Tim. And Scott says, ever since the Mayweather boxing match, I feel like Connor doesn't want to fight or has no reason to. What do you make of that? I, I don't know if that's quite it. I, I just don't know where Connor's head is at at this point. I think he's trying to put his business first and he values himself at an amount that other people don't. But... Yeah, it's 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 tough to say, right? Like, I think part of him saw how much money he made with Mayweather, and he's like, "Why would I want to come back to the UFC and make mm-hmm. like not like a quarter of that? Not even. I mean, it's even less than that, right? Like, he does make a lot of money. He's the highest paid UFC fighter, I would think, by far. But uh, I think he also, like you said, is a businessman, and it's got to be financially lucrative. So, yeah, it's it's always going to be difficult. And I've said this from the beginning of this pandemic. Like, you're, I think a lot of these big name fighters, like a John Jones, like a Connor, like I don't see the incentive of them fighting right now, anyways, because you don't have crowds. Like, like you're losing on a big amount of your, you know, your, your paycheck with not having the crowds there because they bring them out in tenfold, especially Connor. Like you go to Vegas, you see half the, you know, anytime you go to like a card that McGregor's on, I mean, it's, it's all Irish fans that are flying out that are paying all the money yeah. to go see him fight. So there's that, there's that side of it as well. By the way, a little bit of breaking news here, Damon Martin reporting something we just talked about. It looks like Brandon Moreno is going to be fighting Brandon Royval. So uh, there oh. you go with Alex Perez getting. Wow. Started. James Lynch with the foresight. Look at that. There you go. Um, okay, well, we'll quickly get to one of Joseph's, com- Joseph's comments here. Uh, if Davison versus Alex Perez is happening at UFC 255, do you think they'll put Valentina Shevchenko versus Jennifer Maya in the main event slot? Because I kind of do. Yeah, someone asked me that as well. I think they should. You know, I don't think it really hurts that bad. And I think for Valentina, she's she's been a company woman for for them for quite some time, taking you know really good fights and uh, you know really uh, stepping up to the plate. And I, you know, she does have a pretty big following. Like any of my interviews that I do with her, they're always there's a lot of interest mm-hmm. there. So why not throw her up there? Uh, you know, she she's been in the company for a while now. She's been their flyweight champion for a while now since what December 2018. Uh, so you know, give, give her give her a due. And I, I think it's time for her to to, to headline a pay per view. I know she's headlined other cards, but get her that pay-per-view uh, shine and, and I'm, I'm all for it i think Valentina's is awesome okay uh let's move on to ufc fight island four very quickly first thing a reminder guys if you don't mind hitting that subscribe button and tapping the notification bell goes such a long way to helping us out here as is a like on the video uh if you want to donate to the super chat that is a huge 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 way to help fund everything we're doing thank you all very much ufc fight island four very quickly uh dana was talking to Farah, Farah Hanun again gave her some very nice compliments during the interview. And uh, the question was, 
Holly Holm versus Irina Aldana. That seems to be the number one contenders fight. But there's also Jermaine Durandamy versus uh, Juliana Pena, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, you're right. In terms of you're saying who's going to get the, the yeah. So, how what do you make of that? Like, which who needs to win and who needs to lose for someone to get a title shot? Who's got the best chance right now? So here's my theory right now. I think I think the main event just because it is the main event. If Aldana beats Holm, I think she's getting the next shot. She mm-hmm. would have to. She would she would have then beaten Caitlin Vieira, who's undefeated at the time, and then beating Holly Holm. So I think Aldana is a little bit ahead of that. If Pena beats Durandamy and Holly wins, then I would think Pena would get the next shot because Durandamy is very tough to finish, um, you know, just in general in, in her career. So it's kind of, we've got this like mini tournament going on yeah. now. Here's another scenario I'll throw at you. What if Holm and Durandamy win? Some people are like, well, you could do the rematch. No, no, I don't think that does. I don't think that happens. They, Holm just fought Nunes last year. So did Durandamy. Like, I think that would be too soon to do those rematches. I think the, the, the sort of the dark horse in this whole thing is Caitlin Vieira, even though her fight last week wasn't that great against Sajara Eubanks. I think she could emerge as the next contender for Amanda Nunes at Bantam weight if Durandamy and Holm win uh, just because I can't see them wanting to do those rematches just because they were they weren't competitive uh, especially the home fight I mean home got knocked out in that one um, so yeah I think that's what's going to happen but to answer your initial question it's the main event if, if Aldana yeah. wins she's going to get the next shot I think you don't think JDR versus Nunes too is competitive because Nunes no no, no, I, I, no I think it was competitive I was, yeah. I was saying that was more competitive than the home yeah, fight yeah. because home got knocked out but not fight, competitive right? enough to warrant another not competitive shot. enough to do okay. a rematch now no I don't think so no all right let's move on um Carlos Condit returns my all-time favorite fighter. Where's Carlos at in this stage of his career? For me, the most troubling thing has just been the quality of competition he's taken since that Robbie Lawler fight. It's very clear that that incredible all-time classic took something really big out of Lawler and Condit. Neither have looked quite the same since. Um, My issue is, after the first couple, after his first few fights, following that Robbie Lawler fight, they kept giving him ranked, high-caliber opponents. I'm really happy he's getting a Court McGee. Uh, Where do you think Carlos Condit is right now, and where do you think he might go from here? That's the big question. I'm so intrigued by this fight, and and I'm glad you mentioned the level of competition because I think a lot of people look at Condit's losing streak and they're like, wow, this guy's done, but look who he's fighting. And, you know, I think part of it, too, is they gave him tests to see where he really fit in that division, and he didn't pass those tests. Like, I remember when he fought Michael Chiesa, I remember people thinking, like, well, if Condit's anything like he was, uh, you know, a couple years ago, that's probably a fight he wins. He didn't win. He ended up losing that one, right? So I think that plays a role in this as well. But you're right. Court McGee is probably the least, uh, you know, and I love Court. I'm not saying this as a disrespectful thing, but, you know, if, if you look at you know court mcgee compared to the rest of his other competitors i'd say court is probably the at, at the right level of condit at this stage in his career and isn't it interesting with robbie lawler look at all the fighters that lawler's fought that have significantly decreased in their careers uh since fighting him you look at johnny hendricks you look at condit you look at rory mcdonald there's so many fighters that just aren't the same after fighting lawler this guy is taking years off people's careers i just thought that it was a nice little tidbit there but i'm actually picking condit this weekend because i do think well i mean this has got to be it for him if he doesn't win this he's going to get cut he might even retire I think there's more at stake here for Condit than Court McGee. I mean, I don't think we expected much out of Court in his career after losing some of those fights. But with Condit, I think on paper, he's the better fighter. He's got a height and reach advantage in this one. He's got more experience. I think he can pull this off. And I'm hoping that we'll get a glimmer of what Condit used to look like and, and get the win here. But we'll see. It's, it's, Court McGee is not an easy fight for anyone. No. And if I'm not mistaken, I feel like Carlos Condit also has, or at one point had, like a nitro cold brew venture. So. He did. Uh, yeah, I think he was with that. Uh, was he part of that Keith Jardine? Uh, was a Cape Man coffee thing? Oh, no, you're right. He had another coffee thing, too. Something, something, something going something. on in Albuquerque. They all become coffee owners. Apparently. apparently. They all been hanging out with Aaron Bronstetter too much. <laughs> uh, all right. Last thing on this. 
main card quality. Um, I'm not super stoked with this card top to bottom, especially the main card. Obviously, look, you have interesting tidbits. Holly Holm is always a draw. Jermaine Durandamy versus uh, Juliana Pena, I think, is actually a really intriguing fight. But it's just kind of lackluster. There's so many mm-hmm. fights this year. When you look out, when you look down the main card, there's just about nothing to bring in anyone but the most hardcore dedicated fans. Is that a fair critique? I think what it comes down to is they're putting on cards every week. They have to fill up these cards. I don't think the UFC cares necessarily what those cards do because at the end of the day, they well, still James, have the I have to cover it. <laughs> I have to be here every Saturday. <laughs> no, no, I know. And, and, but, but what I'm saying is that, uh, and then the other thing I don't think people are looking at is look how many international fighters are on this card. Mm-hmm. They were fighters that couldn't get into the U S and fight in Florida or Las Vegas. So they're all sort of backtracked. So they got to get them fights. Cause the UFC exactly. says, Hey, we're going to give you a couple fights here. So you're going to see cards like this. And look, we had a really good card last week with the 253 You're pay-per-view right. the week before we had You're covington right. and woodley so it, it's one of those things right yeah that's totally fair okay uh sorry to speed through this section guys we got to get james out of here i want to end on this i do it every single time and thus far i've been the loser i'm gonna flip a. I never give you guys enough time in advance for this but i'm gonna flip a coin here you can call it and the loser has to tell an embarrassing story preferably one related to their time in the industry okay sure. sounds good cool. uh, I do I'll go, heads or tails i'll go tails Hey, it's heads. Okay. All right. Tell me a story then. Well, this was kind of embarrassing. I interviewed, uh, I, we did a post fight media scrum with Derek Lewis. And for some reason I got mixed up that uh, I was thinking of his, uh, for some reason I got him and Curtis blades mixed up in terms of their wins. Cause you know, when you're doing media scrums, you're kind of having yeah. to think on the fly. So I mentioned that, uh, you know, you've had some, some good wins, like when you beat Mark hunt and Mark hunt actually defeated Lewis. So I, like I said that and Lewis kind of gave me shit for it, but it's like, he's like, Oh, that fight didn't go well. And I was like, I don't know. I kind of screwed that up. So it happens. Even, it even happens. the most professional people, you'll forget about fight records. So I, I screwed that up. And also the time when Robbie Lawler got mad at me for suggesting that he fight wonder boy Thompson for some reason that irked him. I don't know why. You don't know why that irked him. I don't like because he well because he he said you can watch the scrum he kind of grilled me a little bit uh, which is like gave me that Robbie Lawler death stare but I said That's you know it was Wonder Boy this was this was when he fought Asker and I said hey do you think you'd want to fight Wonder Boy there was talks of that and he's like there were no talks meanwhile there was BJ Penn had a whole rumor saying that that fight was in the works so Robbie Lawler look you got to read BJ Penn that's what they're saying hey man don't don't get Robbie Lawler mad we oh, just talked I about the, that last years he's taken off life. couldn't sleep for weeks you know <laughs> yeah I had that experience with the old Romero um last thing do we have any update with pfl have they cut some of their roster someone's asking um they did release some fighters i don't know if you saw yesterday jeremy kennedy is now with bellator mm-hmm. he signed with them so i as far as i'm hearing some of the fighters are getting their release which is good i don't know why they're not doing shows uh that whole thing's uh yeah that's a podcast in itself james lynch the fightful living legend thank you so much for making the time today uh, weirdly enough we've hung out in new york we've hung out in anaheim uh we've hung out at a UFC event in Vancouver, but outside of that, we have never hung out in person despite living in the same area. That's true. Yeah, it's tough, though. You know, like, no. it's, we, we, we got to find a middle ground in between yeah. uh, North Van and... Because uh, you're North Van, right? Yeah. Yeah, North Van, and I'm in, I'm in Twas. And so yeah, we'll figure it out at some point. We'll, we'll do a little out. MMA. There's a bunch of us out here, so we'll do a little MMA meetup once this pandemic is over and done with. James Lynch, thank you so much. Thank you guys for tuning in, for engaging in the chat. Again, subscribe, hit the notification bell, tap that like button. We love you all very much. We'll catch you next time right here on Fightful. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.